All right. All right. Yeah. It hasn't been five months. Get off my dick. <laughs> I don't have a dick. But <laughs> Leave my Johnson alone. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's only been two and a half weeks, which is not five months. Fun fact. Uh, so welcome to Abiding in Avalon. <laughs> I am your host. <laughs> the chronically time-blind Rebecca Thistle. <laughs> Actually, that's not what happened. What happened? What had happened was I recorded the the first uh, episode in five months back at the end of uh, January 2023 uh, with the intention of getting up the next day and recording another episode to put, you know, to, to uh, put in the queue, you know, and, and, and um, schedule for publishing you know, for the next week, and, you know, and I wanted to get a, a few episodes ahead, um, but one thing led to another, and that didn't happen, and here we are two and a half weeks later, and I can, I can give you a whole lot of, um, of the, uh, details about why that happened, but it, it happened, and I just sort of went, yeah, you know, it is what it is, so I'm not beating myself up, please don't beat me up either, <laughs> To paraphrase Neil Gaiman, Rebecca Thistle is not your bitch. <laughs> oh, if you know, you know. Um, actually, if you don't know, let me explain. Uh, Neil Gaiman was entering into like an online discourse about how long it takes for you know George R. R. Martin's uh, books to come out. I think we're still waiting for the Winds of Winter. I, I say we as though I've like actually read these books. I've read um, two full books and then most of the third one and and then I was just like I can't do this anymore George I just can't <laughs> like he's a good writer don't get me wrong and just like his writing style does not work with my brain you know so you can respect somebody without liking their work that's that's all I'm saying um and you can like somebody's work without respecting them either so yeah um what was I saying? <laughs> Lost the train of thought. <laughs> oh, anyway, so uh, Neil Gaiman jumped into this discourse about George R. R. Martin and his, you know, extended deadlines and like, winds of winter is taking fucking forever to come out. And, and Neil Gaiman jumped in and he was like, George R. R. Martin is not your bitch. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I, I think I've been thinking a lot about Douglas Adams, actually, as you do, you know, um, <clears throat> because I, uh, I, I got the, uh, Salmon of Doubt on Audible recently. And, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Douglas Adams wrote the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, series, which is the best five part trilogy you will ever read. Um, but he was famous. He also wrote the Dirk Gently series, by the way. He was famous in publishing circles for always missing deadlines. And so The Salmon of Doubt is an unfinished novel. And, um, and so in, in the publication of this, you know, extracted from his hard drive, it's not just, you know, this unfinished novel. It's a bunch of other... 
um, stuff from him. But, you know, he even, like, references it in in these articles and stuff that, that come up of his, um, his inability to, uh, to stick to a deadline. And I'm just like, Douglas, were, were you undiagnosed ADHD? <laughs> were you neurodivergent? Are you the patron saint of neurodivergent creatives everywhere? Uh, anyways, I think, uh, George R.R. Martin may come from a similar vein, um, when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, why, why am I talking about Douglas Adams and George R.R. R. Martin? Oh, because, you know, deadlines don't, don't get mad at me about deadlines. It is what it is. Um, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can with what I have. <sighs> Actually, <laughs> real quick before I get into what I actually want to talk about in this episode, um, while we're on the topic of Douglas Adams, uh, there was, I don't know if it's apocryphal or, you know, if it's actually true. I'm sure somebody, allegedly, um, somebody from uh, Adams's publishing company was sent out to stay in a hotel room with him for an extended period of time to make sure that he finished a manuscript. <laughs> I was like, oh, Douglas. <laughs> oh, but, I, you know, like, I, I think, I think that, that actually, this is a great segue because my brain just went, oh, great segue. So in the last episode, I talked about flying with the penguins, which is to say, do awesome things with the skills you have. You know, uh, penguins don't fly in the air, even though they're birds, but they do fly underwater. <laughs> you, you may go, well, you know, that's that's swimming. That's, swimming is flying underwater, just like flying is swimming in the air. Okay? On the same page. Right. <laughs> but, you know, they do what they are equipped to do. And they're fucking adorable, and they're fucking awesome, and they're also kind of bitchy. <laughs> I love penguins. I don't know if you can tell. Um, and so when, when, when discussing, um, any kind of spiritual practice, you know, this is, this is one of my favorite things to, to go on about on the internet, um, in comment section. I don't like post a lot of like actual post posts. Anyways, um, but one of my favorite things to bang on about is um, meditating when you have ADHD. Uh, because I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was 27. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was about two months after uh, my son was born. And my son was born... Uh, it's just about like two and a half months or so after I turned 27. Anyways, uh, so I, I was in my late 20s when I got diagnosed with ADHD officially. I had suspected that I had it like, you know, a few years before. Um, and funnily enough, my family still goes, oh no, she's self-diagnosed. And I'm like, I, I just sit there and I'm like, but 
So if I have certain symptoms, you know, like coughing and, 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 and gastrointestinal issues, and I go to the doctor and I say, I think I might have the flu, and the doctor runs a test and says, yeah, you've got the flu. Is that self-diagnosis? I don't know. Anyways. Uh, the point is, is I, I was diagnosed with ADHD officially in my late 20s. And, um, but I'd been trying to learn how to meditate since I was 14. So you're looking at almost half my life. I'd been trying to figure out how to meditate and not only meditate, but meditate on a regular basis because I would, I would get into a practice for like a week, two weeks, and then I'd get frustrated because it was hard. Because I was trying to do it the way that people said I should do it. And that didn't work with my brain. So, um, so I struggled. Now, in hindsight, that little bit of struggle, that, that inconsistent practice for, for many, many, many years, um, actually did a lot of good for me, which is great. Um, because there, there is emerging, um, evidence to suggest, <laughs> not prove, but to suggest that, um, meditations, specifically guided meditations with guided imagery, uh, can actually help with healing a traumatized brain because, uh, what, what happens when you go through a traumatic event or many of them over time is that, um, you have a breakdown in, in communication between the two hemispheres of your brain and the hemisphere of your brain with the little storage area for memories and stuff is in the right hemisphere of your brain. So, you know, your little closet of, of memories, you know, however organized or chaotic it may be, but, but that little section of your brain in the right hemisphere, that's, that's where memories are stored. The part of your brain with the control room that allows you to communicate is in the left hemisphere of your brain. So if you've got this um, breakdown of communication between right and left hemisphere, you can still be living those memories, but you cannot talk about them, which is going to help you sort of contextualize them and, and detach from them. Um, that's why that is the, you know... Um, most widely accepted treatment for PTSD is talk therapy. Um, however, <laughs> a lot of people with PTSD <laughs> can't actually talk about it. And it's not funny. I'm not laughing because it's actually funny. It's just like, fuck, really? <laughs> right? And, and, and it's a protective mechanism. It's a protective mechanism, you know, so anyways, um, but what guided meditation and consequently what certain psychedelics um, can do is to sort of heal those connections between left and right hemispheres so that you can talk through them, so that you can process them, so that you can contextualize them and the memories don't go away, but they hurt less because I, I like to call it an energetic bowel movement. Um, you know, you, you've, you've sort of just desensitized yourself to it. Um, so when 
so you know when you when you talk about these memories um and these traumatic experiences like that that actually it's 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 essentially like flushing out your system like you're doing a, a super duper cleanse and you may not need to intensely talk about them all the fucking time from then until the rest of your life but you know Every now and again, you still need to do it to maintain healthiness. You know, even if you're just talking to yourself about it, like, fuck. Anyways, that's what I do. Um, but back to, to meditation. There is value in guided meditation. There is value in meditation, period. However, if you are ADHD and people are saying you need to meditate because that's what's going to quote unquote fix you. It doesn't always work, does it? Like, you know, you, because the accepted method for meditation, and this goes back centuries, if not millennia, um, the accepted method for meditation is shut up, sit still, don't think thoughts. Um, I remember reading the Bhagavad Gita and, um, and specifically in chapter six, I guess, uh, Krishna uh, talks about the proper method for meditation. And the way that Krishna contextualizes the goal of meditation is to um, uh, make your mind single-pointed, like a single flame or something like that, fixated on a single flame. And, you know, and, and I was like, oh, wow, why? There was a lot that I really liked about the Bhagavad Gita, but that... That always bothered me. <laughs> Thought I heard a noise. Um, but that always bothered me. This, you know, this shut up, sit still, don't think thoughts. Um, I can't do that. Like, I might could focus on my breathing for a few minutes, and then I'm like, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I do something else? Can I think about something else? This is... This is boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, funnily enough, um, it wasn't until 2020, right before I turned 34, so I was 33 years old, um, but it wasn't until 2020 when I read the uh, Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu that I finally started understanding the goal of meditation. Now, in the Tao Te Ching, um, I forget which verse or section or whatever it's in, um, but Lao Tzu says something to the effect of, um, do you have the patience to let the mud settle so the water can become clear? And, and it just went off in my head like, oh, that's what meditation's about. Now, from a, you know, an, an Eastern perspective that, you know, the, well, I mean, from a just general society perspective, what that entails <laughs> is sit still, shut up, don't think thoughts, right? <laughs> you know, like, 
I mean, it's less about, like, don't think thoughts and more about, like, just sort of, like, let the thoughts settle down. And so, you know, after reading that, eventually this idea came into my head and sort of crystallized this idea of settling the snow globe. Um, if you've ever seen any of my uh, comments out on Reddit, <laughs> I, I mean, if you know who I am out on Reddit, then, you know, well done you. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, but I'd like to talk about settling the snow globe, which is to say that, you know, um, think of your, your mind, your brain, if you will, as a snow globe. You know, stuff happens, it shakes. And the little, you know, snowflakes inside, they sort of swirl around and they swirl around and they swirl around. And so what you want to do is to find what allows you to stop shaking that snow globe. At least long enough that those snowflakes can settle and you can see the, you know, Santa Claus or, you know, whatever scenic small town train I don't know I, I haven't had a snow globe in forever but you know whatever this scene is uh, you know at the bottom of this snow globe whatever is it, it is that you need to see um <laughs> I'll, I'll be real with you like the, the the scene in the bottom of my snow globe metaphorically speaking it, it changes from day to day but anyways what I have found settles my snow globe. It, it varies from day to day <laughs> and even several times throughout the day. Um, but sometimes taking a walk and listening to music um, helps me clear my mind. Uh, when I lived with my mom and her husband uh, during the pandemic, I, um, I would take my daughter for a walk I'd put her in a stroller and we walk around the neighborhood um every day and and like my goal <laughs> was you know that 10,000 steps a day and so I had a very specific route that I would that I would go in order to get those 10,000 steps right and um and it, it generally took me about an hour to get through that entire walking route um and so what I started noticing, even before I read the Tao Te Ching, um, but especially after, you know, like settling the snow globe sort of started coming to my, to my mind, was I started noticing that just by walking and like focusing on the music, focusing on how, uh, how the ground felt beneath my feet, how how the gravel sounded, because even though the roads were paved, there was fucking gravel everywhere. It drove me crazy. Anyways, uh, but how the gravel sounded underneath the wheels, you know, little delightful giggles of, of my, my daughter as she saw, like, a dog or a bird or, you know, whatever. And, you know, and, and, and it was... I noticed that I was more aware of my thoughts 
and not only more aware of my thoughts, but more aware that I wasn't really having any thoughts. It was also around about this time that I started noticing that my thoughts don't actually have words. Like, I had heard so many people say, oh, wait, you know, um, my, my thoughts, like, I don't, I don't have words. I don't, you know, my, I don't have an internal monologue. And I was like, how do you not have an internal monologue? I'm always hearing, you know, this, that, and the other in my head. And, and, but by, you know, going on these walks and learning to be present, to be mindful and to get into this meditative state, you know, for, for this extended period of time, um, I suddenly noticed, like, whoa, those, those, those thoughts that are always going around in my head that I'm hearing, they're not actually my thoughts. They're echoes of fucked up shit that other people have said to me. You know, sometimes some, you know, neutral shit, but generally, the, like, fucked up shit that, you know, traumatized me. And so, you know, by coming to that realization, I was actually able to... Um, take control of my brain again. <laughs> like it, it wasn't an overnight process, and uh, you know I'm still very much in that process and in that practice, I should say. Um, because what I like to tell people is, um, it's a practice. Don't don't perfect it. You know what I mean? You're just you're practicing. You know. Uh, awareness of your thoughts you're practicing mindfulness you're practicing meditation it's it's a practice do not try and perfect it um because that holds yourself to an impossible standard because like even fucking julie andrews (laughs) you know um one of the most talented voices of many generations really at this point um even she still practices she still practices you know, before a performance. Um, last I heard, she was trying to, to direct a... She was going to direct a uh, performance of My Fair Lady, which is highly, highly appropriate. If you know Julie Andrews, you know what I mean. Um, it might have been canceled because of the pandemic, but anyways, um, I hadn't heard she died. So, anyways. <coughs> Excuse me again. But, uh, yeah, she, she practices before performance. You know, if you're going to be in a play, like, you are going to practice. I mean, the proper term is rehearse. You are going to rehearse as you are learning. It's going to get easier. But you are still going to have rehearsals even when you're in the middle of a run. You know what I mean? Like, you, you still have, you, you still got to go in and be like, okay, you know, let's just run through this again. Make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, but it's a practice, you know? <laughs> because if you're going to make mistakes, you're going to do it while you're practicing. So, anyways. Um, where was I with meditation? Um, so, Yeah. Um, one of the most effective ways that I have found for meditation for myself is taking a walk. I haven't been doing that as much lately, and I really need to get back into that practice. <laughs> uh, but it's it's been a really weird year and a half. And uh, I think I'm still adjusting to Colorado winters. And also, I lost my jacket for a long time. Like, my, my big heavy coat. I lost it. 
and then my daughter found it and she doesn't know how to communicate to me where she found it because i swear to you i tore i tore my bedroom apart trying to find that fucking jacket and could not find it and then one day she goes mama i found your jacket and i'm like oh okay anyways um and right in time for for spring <laughs> i mean it's 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 not quite spring yet but it is starting to warm up so but yeah taking a walk help me settle my snow globe another way that i find um is effective for getting into a meditative state is um well, that sounded weird in my in my headphones. Anyways, um, another method that I have found is effective for me getting into a meditative state is keeping my hands busy. <coughs> and see, like, I'm surprised that that didn't 100% occur to me uh, back when I worked at a nonprofit in Texas, specifically for blind people. And it's not that hard to figure out what nonprofit I'm talking about, but I'm still going to be polite and cover my ass legally and not mention them by name. Anyways, um, they made up, they made up busy work for, uh, for blind people. So we would assemble pens that generally went out to prisons and, um, You know, it, it sounds simple, but I mean, if, if you can imagine assembling anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 pens a day, um, I think the most of one type of pen that I assembled was like 3,700. Because you had different types of pens that, that, you, uh, that you were expected to assemble. And... Um, yeah, 2,500 pens a day. <laughs> it gets it gets pretty exhausting, but it also gets really repetitive. And I'm surprised that I didn't figure out while I was doing that that oh wait, you know if I keep my if I keep my hands busy, like my brain doesn't go out of control. That I was I was too focused on podcasts and and audiobooks and stuff to to really pay much attention to what my brain was doing. To be honest with you. <laughs> And uh, it was only in the last year that I was there that, that I started having a spiritual awakening. And even then, I wasn't quite to a point of being aware of my thoughts. I was just aware of um, kind of a greater reality than the third dimensional reality. I don't know. I may get into that at another point. <coughs> but anyways, uh, keeping my hands busy allows my brain to just sort of like, settle out so one of my favorite things to did i say sell out or settle settle out uh, <laughs> my brain sells out yes it sells out to peace Ooh. um so one of my favorite things to do is to um turn on a guided meditation or an asmr video or you know what have you on youtube and just shuffle my tarot cards I'm actually um, trying to figure out um, if there's a different thing that I can do. Because, like, I don't want to be assembling pens, but, you know, if I can learn how to crochet or knit or something, then, you know, eventually I might have, like, a blanket or a hat or something that I can be like, hey, 
I made this <laughs> with intention. And, <laughs> and it healed me. So, I don't know. We'll see. We will see where things go from here. Um, and uh, my mother, actually, you know, it's it's been occurring to me. My mother, for a long time, when I was growing up, she would do cross-stitch. And I don't think she does that anymore. And, um, you know, and part of that is just because, you know, games on your phone, you know, are, are really, like, distracting and um, induce dopamine. So I can, I can get it because I, I fall into that loop myself quite a bit. <laughs> I, I sometimes feel guilty about it, but, you know, I, I, I do my best to, to diversify my um, ADHD pursuits <laughs> because because here's here's the thing is um going back to to working at the at the at the nonprofit what i learned um was that i was more able to focus on audiobooks and retain more information when i kept my hands busy so much so because like Oh, that was fun. <laughs> I just, I just banged my, uh, you know, microphone arm. Anyways, um, cause, uh, when I, when I was growing up before I lost my vision, when I was 17, um, I, I was a voracious reader. Like I read everything I could get my hands on it, uh, as long as it was mildly interesting. I, I still cannot get through the Lord of the Rings books. Anyways, but what I realized, um, when I was, when I was working this job, keeping my hands busy, <laughs> mind-numbing work, man, um, was that if I listened to an audiobook, I remembered more from the audiobook than anything else. So, um, I went back and I got, um, Wicked. Uh, the book Wicked, you know, upon which the you know Broadway musical is based, and you know, and I had read it years ago. I think it was like fourteen or something. There was this, there was this summer where my mom went, "Oh, here are these two books, Wicked and Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister," and uh, she had my sister read one book, and she had my like me read another. She'd already read them both, by the way, and then we switched, and then we had a conversation. It was a whole summer thing, but I could not remember anything from when I read when I read Wicked. I honestly now now that I'm saying it out loud, I, I don't think I remember anything from Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister any either. Anyways, um, so while I was working at the uh, at the nonprofit, I decided to spend an audible credit on Wicked on audio. And it took me about a month <laughs> to get through the entire book uh, that I did. And I realized just how much of the story I had missed. Like, I cannot tell you beat for beat, you know, um, pace for pace, chapter for chapter, verse for verse, you know, whatever. Um, everything in the book. But I, I retained more of the story and more of, like, the themes and the motifs and you know, imagery and all that, you know, when I, whereas when I read it visually, when I still had vision with which to read, 
or 2020 vision, I should say, because I still have vision. It's just um, I can't read books anymore. I have to listen to them. Anyways, um, I, I didn't retain anything at all whatsoever. <laughs> so, um, so, so that was what I discovered about myself there at, at the nonprofit was, you know, if I keep my hands busy, I can focus on what I'm listening to. But, um, what I have learned, uh, particularly since moving here to Colorado to my subterranean fortress of solitude, um, is that if I shuffle cards, this is part of why I go through a lot of tarot cards, <laughs> but if I shuffle cards, like my, my mind settles enough that I can get actually quite effective, um, messages for doing readings and stuff. I can, um, I can get quite effective messages just for myself in general. And I've, I've actually been able to, uh, do a lot of internal work just by getting my snow globe to settle by shuffling cards. And, um, and so that's, that's another effective meditation method for, for me. Um, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago, uh, about this self same idea and they said, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, they said that their most effective meditation method was to blast heavy metal music and then just, you know, sort of pace the room, sit down, you know, not to confine themselves to one space, but to just let that music sort of serve as this white noise background, if you will. And so, you know, you would have so many, like, fundamentalist spiritual people, which sounds weird, but, you know, who'd be like, no, 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 in order to meditate, you must sit still, shut up, don't think thoughts. And that, that doesn't always work. Like, I mean, I, I can sometimes, you know, lay down in, in bed and, and do an effective meditation. Um, personally, I, I enjoy doing ASMR, listening to ASMR videos. That's not for everybody. It's all good. Um, uh, but you know, sometimes I'll, I'll turn on meditation music or I'll turn on ambient noise on my, um, Alexa and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever mood I am in, there is, there is no consistency to anything. It is, it is always just like, okay, no, this is what I'm going to do. And so I'll lay down on my back and, and, you know, I'll turn on the music or I'll turn on the guided meditation or the ASMR video or whatever. But generally after about 20 to 30 minutes, it's always somewhere in that range very rarely is it before that mark, but that's when I have to go, I can't do this because my foot will start twitching. My knee will start like, you know, tensing up like my right knee. My right knee is just giving me so many problems these days. I'm like, <laughs> why? Uh, and it's been this way since I've been in my twenties. So anyways, um, it's just getting worse with age, but, uh, so what I have found is if I'm going to lay down and meditate, then I'd better do it on my stomach, you know, 
because you know guided meditations and meditation quote-unquote experts are going to sit there and they're going to say you got to lay down on your back if you're going to lay down and meditate you got to lay down on your back well you know i can meditate while laying on my stomach not so much on my side funnily enough but on on my stomach you know so the point that i'm trying to get to here with meditation is you don't have to follow the rules and that's fine because there are no rules there there's not a right way to meditate there is a way that is right for you and that way may not always be the exact same way every single day again it is a practice to go back to the um like uh live performance metaphor you know for you know like a play uh for instance there is always some small difference in every performance and that's kind of like the beauty of you know live theater is that the performance is going to be slightly different. Even though you're saying the same lines with the same people night after night, twice on Wednesdays, and, and, and I think Saturdays as well. I forget. Anyways, I forget how Broadway works. But <laughs> no, I guess it's twice on Wednesdays because I think you have a Wednesday matinee. Anyways, so eight performances a week. You're saying the same lines with the same people on the same stage with the same props and the same everything. But it's always a different audience. So different audiences, <coughs> excuse me, are going to um, respond differently to different lines. So you may play off of that energy. And <laughs> you may try different things. Or, you know, sometimes sets fuck up and you sort of have to like you know go along with it and in her memoir julie andrews talks about the original run of my fair lady on broadway i think it was two years that she did that uh for the first run of my fair lady and uh she would tell these funny stories <laughs> about about Rex Harrison and you know I forget who the, who the other one was um who the other actor was that played uh Colonel Pickering um but you know the sets would you know fall apart backdrops would you know <laughs> go crazy <laughs> the orchestra would you know drop their instruments not on purpose you know but it, it, it happens and you know you on stage have to adapt <laughs> So <laughs> there's um, apparently uh, one night where Rex Harrison was, you know, playing Henry Higgins. He was singing um, his little ditty towards the end, and I guess some piece of, you know, scenery or something behind the backdrop, like, <laughs> fell down, made a loud like crash, and like startled everybody. <laughs> in the audience and the orchestra and everything and he's just like what the hell and and he just adapts he's like all right no 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 so he says here we go here we go let's let's start from that little you know clarinet bit <laughs> in character <laughs> let's move along it's great 
but that's what you have to do. You have, you know, and, and, and another great metaphor would be um, stand-up comedy is you can write a joke a certain way and it'll work in one place but not in another place. It, it may work in Denver, for instance, but it might not work in Kansas City. Um, or it may work in New York, but it might not work in L.A. It may work in Wisconsin. It might not work in Alabama. And so you have to sort of... You, you have to sort of adapt to the joke so that it kind of works everywhere. But even then, you're not going to deliver the joke the exact same way every single night. And then what happens when you have a fucking heckler? <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, so the point is, is that meditation is that way. And, you know, and while neurodivergent brains, uh, you know, particularly from the the what i'm learning about um asd they they crave that consistency but you know if you're they crave that predictability but if you're also adhd on top of that <laughs> like you need the consistency but you also need the chaos you know what i mean and so hence we come back to the idea of abiding you gotta go you know what this isn't working today. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Um, and you kind of have to trust that your brain knows what it's doing. And, you know, and, and, and or, you know, if, if, if you believe in a power greater than yourself, I call the powers that be, you know, the universe, God, whatever. You know, trust that 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 is you know gonna gonna show you how to do it. You know, and don't be afraid to like try different things, different weird things. It's not silly if it makes your life easier. You know what I mean? Because as annoying as it is to hear, meditation truly is an amazing, amazing thing for spiritual development for personal development it, it like I, I mean i saw a post in the um r slash spirituality subreddit uh, a few weeks ago from somebody who's like um do you have to meditate in order to grow spiritually and i'm like well no you don't have to meditate you know i have i have experienced consistent spiritual growth throughout my life whether I was, you know, doing a meditation practice on a daily basis or not. <laughs> but once I figured out how to meditate in a way that worked for me, everything changed. Everything changed, you know. And, and to a point now where I think, I think sometimes I forget when I talk to people about it that it really was a years-long process. So, um, you know, I started trying to meditate when I was 14. I am currently 36 years old. I'll be 37 in about six months. So you're looking at a good 22 years that it has taken me to get to where I am. And honestly, if you want if you really want to get down to the bare bones of it, like, you know, when you talk about spiritual growth in, in, in general, not just, you know, meditation, um, 
you're looking at a life lifetime of of spiritual growth. And another post I saw on r slash spirituality um, was seriously asked the question, "Why did you choose to be spiritual?" And I was like, "I I, I didn't." <laughs> like I mean, to 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 some certain degree, like I didn't, but I or I I did, but I also didn't. Um, because like I was, I was I was raised in a religious household. I was raised in the Methodist Church, um, with you know sort of some of these more fundamentalist evangelical ideas kind of coming in on the fringe, but we didn't really internalize them. <laughs> it's just sort of like, okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I was, I was raised, I was raised Christian. Um, and I, I remember bemoaning when, when I was in my mid teens, bemoaning the fact that before before I hit the age of like, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, somewhere in there, Christianity and spirituality and religion was just, it was, it was simple. Love, like love God, love Jesus, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like that, that was it. And then suddenly it was like, no, 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 you have to act like this. You have to wear these types of clothes. You have to say these types of things. You have to do these types of things because that's how, how it is. And, you know, and so there was more structure and, and, and I think that bothered me. And, um, yeah, (laughs) I, I, I have found in my experience, like there, there are some people that, you know, having that, that structure that comes with an organized religion or an organized practice or, you know, that consistency, I do not want to disparage the value that that can hold for some people. Um, but for me, the most spiritual growth always, always came with just letting myself grow. Like I always, I always knew there was a, or I always felt there was a, a, a bigger picture, you know, whether you call that God or whatever. And, um, and you know, you can call that source energy. You can call that the universe. Uh, like I said, I like to call them the powers that be, <laughs> uh, alternatively source, but you know, and, uh, you know, and so I, I, I don't feel like I ever really chose spirituality. I chose not to practice an organized religion. I chose like, you know, you could say, oh, well, you're a Judas priest. That's an, that's an organized religion. Do you know anything about Judaism? It is not organized at all. It's just like, all right, you know, don't be a dick and abide. <laughs> Boom, you're a dudist. <laughs> There's no God to believe in. You don't even have to be a fan of the Big Lebowski, quite frankly. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't choose spirituality. What I chose was to trust my inner knowing to lead me down the right spiritual path to 
trust my own inner knowing to teach me what's going to work for me and what isn't. And I'm still learning. There, there are some things that I still struggle with, and that's, and that's fine. That's fucking fine. <laughs> I struggle with consistency, hence this podcast being two and a half weeks late. Um, but that's just, that's just my journey, man. Like your journey may be different. So, the the overall message that if you take away nothing from this podcast. 48 minutes in. (laughs) Uh, It's this. Um, It's your practice. Do it your way. You know? There's no, like, meditation police who are going to bust down your door and, you know, and check to make sure that you're laying flat on your back, not moving, shutting up ends you know, listening to the right music or the right guided meditation. And, you know, don't think those, there's nobody policing you. So who cares if what you have to do to settle your snow globe isn't the way that other people think you should. Do what works for you. Fuck everybody else. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Oh, anyways, um, if you want to follow my Facebook page, this podcast does have a Facebook page. It's, uh, Abiding in Avalon, obviously. (laughs) Uh, If you want to follow me on TikTok, um, my username is Rebecca Thistle 923 That's R-E-B-E-C-C-A-T-H-I-S-T-L-E-923, um, I've been going back and forth with the idea of starting an Abiding in Avalon uh, account, you know, to do uh, what I like to call happily right now tarot. (sighs) But for now, Rebecca Thistle923. You can also follow me on Instagram. I I don't know why you would. I I don't post out there much at all. Um... But it is Abiding in Avalon. That's the username, at Abiding in Avalon. So um, if you want to send me an email, abidinginavalon at gmail.com. I can't necessarily guarantee that I'll respond, but, you know, I appreciate the correspondence. It's, It's nice to see messages in that inbox that are not spam. So anyways, um... Until next time, <laughs> that will hopefully not be <laughs> a long time from now. My plan is to record next week's episode immediately after this one. Um, but anyways, until the next time that I record a podcast, or you listen to it, quite frankly, um, remember to abide. And um, fly with the penguins. Bye. Bye.